Hello and welcome to the Sabbatarianism podcast. My name is Justin. I have with me Mr. Richard Davis. Hello, sir. Hello, Justin. All right. So we are back and we're going to do the book of John this time, yeah? We'll try it. Okay. Uh, as we've discussed in the past, uh, John is is a very different gospel than the other three. The other three are very similar. They have the, they each have their own uh, kind of uh, directions or, or where the writer was going and who the writer is. So there is some differences, but John's is completely different. Even though it does have a lot, of, some of the same stories because it is the the main storyline here is the same. Anyway. As you've said in the past, the book of John covers more of the spiritual part, and that's what we're going to try and touch on here as we, as we go along, is sharing some of, of what you've learned over the years about the spiritual side of this and any commentary we might have as we go. Okay. All right. So uh, I don't think there's anything else here we need to set up for the book. Um, do you want to go ahead and get started reading? I guess that's the best way to do it. Yeah, let the Bible say what it says. Okay, John 1, one, And to me, this is the beginning of the understanding of the Word of God from the very beginning. And this is the—some of the chronological Bibles will put this verse here in the very, very beginning. Yes, even because— Even before in the beginning. Yeah, it, it, uh, if you read from Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, you go through the history of how God's relationship with man developed— you come to uh, how God said that when he cut both houses of Jacob off, the physical Israel and the Levites and the priesthood of the Sinai covenant, which would occur in, well, that's prophesied in Isaiah 8, that the law and the, and the testimony would be handed to his disciples, and it was. And so if we want to have understanding to begin to understand how what was going on back then, then that meaning is in the hand and understanding of his disciples. So John 1, 1 adds true understanding to what we're reading in Genesis 1, 1. Well, and, and John was a very, he was a disciple, whereas right. Mark right. was not, Luke was not, um, but he was very close. Yes. You could tell just from the way this is written and from other accounts, that, that John was very close to, yes. to the Messiah. Yes, and it, legally, if you follow the legal transfer of what God says, he's the authority that we're given by Jesus Christ to understand or unlock the Scriptures. And when he says, in the beginning was the Word, and that's in the beginning, in the days of Genesis 1-1, that Word, our spokesman, was with God, and the word was God. Then that opens our mind to understanding. And since the scriptures reveal that John is now the authority, God's Christ's authority in opening that, then if anybody disagrees with that, then they're wrong. Period. Yeah. yeah. So he, this is saying that the word, of course, is Messiah, and the word was there. He created. And he was there then. With God and is God. Yes. All, all together, which is hard for us to comprehend and understand, but that's what's being said here. Yes. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. And that, once again, that's backed up by the writer of Hebrews. 
In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness, darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. He, this is beginning of Christ, was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. That's his own people. Now, earlier, when it refers to John, it's speaking of John the Baptist or John, the writer of this gospel? John the Baptist. Yeah. Okay, he was the witness of Christ. But as many, verse 12, but as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name, who were born not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's not a physical inheritance, because that promise is given to all mankind. It's a, it's a spiritual adoption. Yes, to God the Father. Right. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness we have all received, and grace for grace. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. Now that's speaking of God the Father. No one has seen God the Father at any time, but the only begotten Son, who is in his bosom, declared him. That's right. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, Who are you? He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? And he answered, No. Then they said to him, Who are you that we may give an answer to those who sent us? What do you say about yourself? He said, I am Quote, the voice of one crying in the wilderness makes straight the way of the Lord, unquote. As the prophet Isaiah said, Now those who were sent were from the Pharisees, and they asked him, saying, Why then do you baptize if you're not the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, saying, I baptize with water. But there stands one among you whom you do not know. It is he who, coming after me, is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to loose. These things were done in Beth, Bethabara, beyond the Jordan, where John was baptizing. So let's pause there. Okay. Um, was baptism created here, or was there a baptism prior to this, or do we not know? Well, baptism was simply uh, the immersing to signify cleansing or the burial of one's old self for something new. It was much similar to washings in the, Oak, in the Sinai Covenant or even going through the Red Sea. The Bible says it's a type of baptism or immersion, cleaning yourself from old and, and 
rising for what was new. I would think, no. The but bad- what John's out here doing of, of putting yeah. people in the water and, and telling them this is going to cleanse you of your sins this is, through the Messiah, yeah. but he was, he was paving the way for the Messiah, but this is something completely new. No, I don't think baptism, baptism would have been recognized as a spiritual cleansing. Really? Yeah. Prior to this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. And him, but what John was baptizing them, his disciples into was their willingness to repent of their old ways and clean themselves up so they could be ready for the Messiah when he came. So, so not just come here and get dunked once a week and you'll be okay. Then that's it's- right. To prepare a people for the Lord. If there had been none of that former covenant to repent of their sins and, and follow God correctly, then there would have been none with the Spirit to, to listen to Christ. And really, baptism speaks to, to cleansing the body, cleansing the soul, cleansing your spirit, so that yes. the Messiah can dwell in you as the temple. Yes, well, it's... It's symbolic. It's, symbolic, it's right. It's symbolic, just like in a marriage. You say, I do, and you put on a ring or whatever custom you do that binds you together before all, before God. But before the actual all. marriage is for the rest of your life. Yeah, not, yes, and it's a commitment. Yeah. It's a sincere commitment. Yeah, good analogy. And, and you can't fool God about that. Okay, and so one other thing I want to discuss here is this is quite a ways from Jerusalem. I I've surmised over the years, I may be incorrect about that, but this is a long way for priests and Pharisees to be coming out to them, to him. Well, I think the Pharisees always went a long way. Even Christ said, you go through long distances to make one convert, and then once you've done so, you make them twice the son of hell that you are. (laughs) And it, John was a threat to them. That's my point. Yeah. They went out there to find out what this man was up to. Right. He was a threat to them, and they traveled a long distance, and they were sent, it says here, to go find out what's going on. What's going on out there? Why are all these people going out there and getting baptized by this guy that gave up his right to be a priest? In the wilderness. In the wilderness. Which means off alone. That's what it really means. Right. Somewhere not right here in the place that we glorify. Right. Okay, thank you. So verse 29. 29. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I said, After me comes a man who is prepared before me. For he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore I came baptizing with water. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water said to me, Upon whom I see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And he's speaking of Jesus at that point. There's a lot in this. Yeah. Um, So... The baptism that John had before that was really about cleansing, and, and it, it was a good thing and helpful, but it was paving the way for this other thing that would come that is the ultimate thing. Yes. Of, of baptizing into the Holy Spirit. Yes. 
Verse 35, again, the next day, John stood with two of his disciples and looking at Jesus as he walked, he said, behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak and they followed Jesus. Then Jesus turned and seeing them following, said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which is to say when translated teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and see. They came and saw where he was staying and remained with him that day. Now it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. The following day, Jesus wanted to go to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, whom is no deceit. In whom is no deceit. So he's speaking of Nathanael here? That's right. Says what he wants, very plain, very open, tells it like it is. Yeah. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered and said to him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, Hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. So up a, up a little bit here. We have found him whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. So by that, he's he's calling him the Messiah right there, isn't he? Yes, the prophet that would come in in a like manner as as Moses, Mm -hmm. a mediator that would be our true mediator of whom Moses, being a human, could only picture. Going back to the original mediator. Yes, that's right. And then his... The prophecies throughout the prophets of the Messiah, the Savior of the world that would come and open the world, the Gentiles, all up to salvation. Anything else you want to cover there in chapter 1? No. Okay. I'm sure there's a lot more there, but once again, this is meant to catalyze, to try to motivate people to get out and study it themselves, really try to go over everything. Yeah. Chapter 2, verse 1. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to his servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone, according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, 
filled the water pots with water, and they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sits out the good wine, and when the guests are well drunk, then the inferior, you kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum. He, his mother, his brothers, and his disciples, and they did not stay there many days. So this is the first recorded miracle uh, that the Messiah did. But something interesting here is, is how did his mother even know to come to him and say, hey, can you, can you help this problem here? Some of the commentators, the Believer's Bible, what's that guy's name? Um, oh, I forgot it. Anyway, the, uh, a famous commentator in the Believer's Bible even brought it out here that she, she's likely seen him do something in the past and knew to even come to him and ask him to solve this problem. So it's possible that he's done other things prior to this, but this is the first recorded miracle that he did. And making 20 or 30 gallons of wine is quite a miracle, right? Yeah. I don't want to be a false witness or surmise, but I would say that she knew who he was before he was ever born. Because the angel had her revealed angel. it to her. Yeah. And when he said, don't you know my time has not yet come, the hour has not come, that meant that there must have been an understanding between the two of them what his purpose would be and how it began. And she was trying to get him to do something before that official time. Mm. Now, that's all I know. Yeah. That's all we all know. We can write books about it, but we don't know. And Bollinger is the guy's name. Okay, what, what it does tell us, though, is that he had some respect for doing it for his mother. Even though his reply was, woman? <laughs> <laughs> don't What's you that know guy do, has to do with me? Yeah, and, but then he did it, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, he did. He yeah. did. I also like, uh, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine, and when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior wine. You yeah, because they don't know what they're getting <laughs> right. at that time. That's funny. Anyway, verse 13. Now the Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem, and he found in the temple those who sold oxen and sheep and doves and the money changers doing business. When he had made a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and the oxen and poured out the changers' money and overturned the tables. And he said to those who sold doves, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of merchandise. Then his disciples re remembered what was written, Zeal for your house has eaten me up. Well, that's a reference to what Psalm I can look that up. But I, I find it interesting here. I mean, you just talked about how his time had not come. He'd been to the temple many times. Yeah, that's right. He'd seen this going on. Sure. But his time was now. Yeah. And this is to his reaction action. to it. Yeah. yeah. 
verse 18. So the Jews answered and said to him, What sign do you show to us since you do these things? Jesus answered and said to them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Then the Jews said, It has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. Therefore, when he had risen from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this to them, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had said. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover, during the feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs which they, he did. But Jesus did not commit himself to them because he knew all men and had no need that anyone should testify of man. For he knew what was in man. That was Psalm 69 earlier. Yeah. Um, this last part, what, what's... Well, it appears that it's saying that they confessed who he was, and yet he did not commit himself to them because he, he knew how fleeting those commitments would be. Uh, we'll, when we get to chapter 6 of John, Jesus has a lot to say about that, of the different motives why people profess to believe in him and flock to him. And he, he, didn't, he wanted to let his works show to everyone and not have men running around saying... For different reasons. Yeah. You know, we, it, okay. he draws it out. When we get there, we'll talk a little more about that. Okay. Chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi... We know that you're a teacher come from God, but no one can do these, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered and said to him, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, Unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, we must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Speaking about baptism here, what he just talked about, that he, what John the Baptist just talked about, that, that the Messiah would actually baptize into the Holy Spirit, not just in the cleansing. Of the water and the Spirit. And, of course, this word born, mm -hmm. the Greek Reborn. word, I believe, which is ganao, can mean either begotten or born. Now, there are people who argue about that up one side and down the other. And the best way to resolve it is just go and look how the word is used throughout the scriptures. When the angel uh, said that prior to Christ's birth, that that which was in her was Ganao or of the Holy Spirit, he wasn't born yet. He was begotten. So it's a process. And those who make that point are correct. We are accepted in through water, through our baptism, through our commitment to Christ as our Savior, but it's a process which will not be complete until we are, just like he says, spirit. Which isn't until... Till you can't see. 
and and he's like and the wind. He's returned. That's right. He's returned. Nicodemus answered and said to him, "How can these things be?" Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel, and do you not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. And he's speaking of himself and the Father. We is plural. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven but he who came down from heaven. That is the son of man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. So the Moses lifted up the serpent, that's the story where he has a, a, a serpent on a staff, and when he raises that up, then Israel wins in the battle that they're in, and if he lowers his arm, then they no, start to lose. Is that I believe that, that it was those who looked upon it were healed from the plague. It was ah, going on one. at that time, okay. yes. And Christ would be lifted up in, in that manner. But he tells us right now at the point he's saying this that no one has yet ascended to heaven. Resurrection hadn't occurred. Yes, their spirit has gone back to God, but they hadn't truly ascended to heaven in that final manner. Except it's an edit there, or John adds in, you could have John writing this at a time after Christ had ascended to heaven. Decades after. Yeah, except the Son of Man who was then when he wrote it in heaven. Okay. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Those are Christ's words, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Okay, that is one of the most misunderstood or misrepresented passages in the Bible. Certainly one of the most do, famous. Yeah, all you have to do is believe in Jesus and you got it made. Yep. You need to go back and look at the words of Jesus, especially in when we get to John 13 through 16, where he describes what he means when he says believing in him. And even John's letters, John 1, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, about what belief in Christ represents. It's not just a emptiless belief that he is who he is, but it alters the way we live. Even the demons practice. believe. Yeah, and tremble. We're told that. Yep. But that's a whole thing that anyone interesting, interested can get out their Bibles, concordances. There's tons of material and literature that's been written on that subject to show what true belief in Christ represents to your life. And like we've said here, it's about your heart. That's right. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he's not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There, it's that same word, I think. And this is the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light, that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done 
in God. And here, of course, using light metaphorically for... Um, yes, you're not afraid. If you're pure in your heart and doing it, you're yeah. not afraid of being clearly seen. you got nothing to hide. And darkness of hiding things is evil, is the yes. evil of the world. Yeah. After these things, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea, and there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Anon, near Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized, for John had not yet been thrown into prison. Speaking there of John the Baptist. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who is with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Once again, yeah, yep. there's that carnal mind. Nature. Oh, there, yep. you got your followers. Now he's getting he's his gonna get followers. He's going to more preeminence yeah. than you. Oh, yeah. No, that, we can't be having that. John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it's been given to him from heaven. You yourself bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom. And the friend of the bridegroom, he stands and hears him, rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. He who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. And speaking of the Spirit given to Christ, he does not give mm. it by measure. The full power he, of the Holy Spirit was in Christ. But to us, it's different. That's right. There is, it is by measure to us. Yes. And there are other translations who says, that say he does not send, speaking of the Son there, for God does not get, give him the spirit by measure. Jesus, his son. Yes. Uh, that's really interesting. I've not picked up on that in the past. I've heard you say that before, mm -hmm. that, that he, had, he wasn't measured in the Holy Spirit, that he had a full supply or, or however. Fully, yes. Yeah, he's full. Uh, but I, I, I hadn't picked up on this before, so thank you. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So John here basically corrects his, his disciple, the person that's been following him and uh, working with him, and says, look, this is the Messiah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I've told you this is coming. I'm not... I'm not here to be the Messiah. I'm here to prepare the way. I mean, he laid it all out here for them. It's interesting that later on, his disciples, John the Baptist's disciples, do come to the Messiah and say, hey, are you the one, or should we look for another? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And Christ, I don't know whose benefit that was all for, but we know that what Christ's response was. Go and tell him the miracles you've seen, because yeah. that was the prophesied sign that were given to them from Isaiah's time. Yep. Chapter so we're not told why he sent, sent them and asked that. No, 
That's all speculation at that point. Yep, we weren't there. <laughs> you sure? <laughs> People who know everything will tell you why, I'm sure, but I wasn't yeah. there. The Bible doesn't say, and we're just left to guess at that for the time being. But the fact remains that they did go there and ask, and yeah. that was his response. Yeah. Chapter 4. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John, though Jesus himself did not baptize but his disciples, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee, but he needed to go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there, Jesus, therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews had no dealing with Samaritans. Now, Let's just pause and clarify who Samaritans were. There were a lot of Israelites within that community now, but that those had been made up from people that had been brought into the northern kingdom area, territory, by the Assyrians back when they took the tribes up in the northern part captive and scattered them to the wind. And they brought hundreds of years yeah, before this. Yes, five, six hundred years before. Yeah. And then some of the Israelites had come back over time, but that's the area and the people that have been called Samaritans. Now, as far as the Jews was concerned, anybody that didn't it wasn't want, a wasn't, Jew. wasn't one of them and right. centered in Jerusalem and in that area were all all Samaritans. Because they denied even Israelites as being non-Israelites. They were all considered Gentile, non, right. non-Jew. That's right. And even this lady, who's a Samarit- Samarian, or Samaritan, knew about that Jewish belief. Mm-hmm. She, she basically looked at him and said, you're a Jew, you shouldn't be around me. Shouldn't be dealing with me, you know, you right. can't be doing that. But then we read in Ephesians 2 and, and Colossians 2 that that wall has been taken down. By Christ, yes. Right. And Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again, but whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst, but the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst, nor come here to draw. So she still didn't, didn't quite understand what he was saying. Well, it, let's talk about that for a second. I mean, is he basically using water as a metaphor for yes. the spirit? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have well said, I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you, in that you spoke truly. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that 
that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. For the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. That's the only time he came out and said it, isn't it? Yes. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman. No, wait a minute. Let me backtrack. He, he said that also, I believe, when he was on trial. Okay. Yes, he's, he wasn't but He said you about, have said it or something yeah, along that line, yeah, but, but here yes. he came out and said, I am that. But yes. you're right. Um, mm-hmm. Let's pause, though, for a second here, because I, I think there's a lot of a lot to discuss here just in, in what's, what he just said. Mm-hmm. Um, believe in me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You will worship. So basically, she says to him, you Jews say we should go up to Jerusalem. And he's saying time's coming when you're not going to do that either. Right, that it's right. no longer about Jerusalem. It's no longer about that temple. Uh, that that things are changing. Yeah, is basically what he's saying to her right here. Right. Well, it's an internal worship with each individual. It's not about a place that you go up to. And she was correct when she said in time past that uh, they had worshipped on that mountain originally. That God's presence. And the Sinai Covenant had been in Shiloh up in the northern kingdom for over 400 years before it was moved in the days of David down to Jer- Jerusalem and a temple was made. And then it was altered and moved. And then when the kingdom split, Jeroboam continued to want to worship up in the northern part. And instead of going down to where God had placed it in Jerusalem, and that just led to most of the separation, everything that came afterward. So it was just a back and forth. Uh, if you really know all the nuances that are going on here, you'd have to just go back and and go through the yeah. first what twelve or thirteen podcasts we did on the history yeah. of the covenants that tracked all that <laughs> down. But uh, worship in spirit and truth. That's right. We worship Him with the Holy Spirit that He gives us, but we acknowledge and live by the Word of God, which is truth. And how we live. Okay. It's not just a matter of believing on something and saying, hey, I have a spirit. It's, it's, it's action. That's right. That really represents what the two trees in the garden were. One represented the spirit of God, which imparts eternal life. And the other was the knowledge of right and wrong, which is on the human level, truth. So could it also be said in, in, in your heart? And in your actions? Sure. It all goes spirit hand in Spirit and hand. truth. That's right. We worship okay. in spirit and truth. And they were both there for their purpose. Once again, if you haven't gotten up on that and you're listening, go back and listen to the first parts of the history of the covenants. I forgot to mention that again, didn't I? It's <laughs> supposed to be what I say in the beginning every time. <laughs> yeah. It's the, the spirit and truth. And, you know, back, really what happened was it 
Satan came along and he said, you don't need that spirit in the tree of life. All you need is truth and you can be as good as God or the knowledge of what's right and wrong, good and evil. And they believed that lie and they believed him instead of God. So the spirit was taken away. Now it's being returned and we'll see that Satan after these events, after Christ died and everything, the history of the church tells us that Satan wants to come along and say, you don't need to, all you need is the Holy Spirit to believe and you don't need truth. You can make up your own right and wrong. You can be political. You can do whatever you want. You don't have to live by the word of God. That's what churches have done. Yeah. You've watered it down. Yeah. When Christ is saying you have to have both and you have to have them in the right understanding and the right faith okay good explanation thank you i will mention one more thing when he says we know what we worship for salvation is of the jews yeah thank you for coming back to that okay now you got people who say you have to become a jew then to have salvation oh that is so warped and upside down at that period of time the language, anything, uh, the word Jew would have meant Israelite or been synonymous with Israelite. Uh, Paul said, I am a tribe of, I am a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin. Right. Well, Benjamin was right. not That's a Jew. That's not Judah. Okay. It, it was just coming from the Jews' historical perspective, which was extant in that day. And what anybody would have said, that the Jews had begun since the days of Ezekiel to de- it's witnessed there in the 11th chapter of Ezekiel that they denied anybody that didn't accept them and their religion and the glorification of that temple in Jerusalem as being a Jew or being an Israelite. And they still do. Yeah, so only Jews are Israelites. Right. And that's the way it would have been. But salvation is was promised to the Israelite first and then to the Gentile. Well, and, and what an Israelite is, has changed, right? Uh, yeah. It's a spiritual thing now. It's not a bloodline thing. According to the Apostle Paul and the Word right. of God, yes, that's right. right. It's not a bloodline thing. It's those who are faithful to the ways of Abraham, to become children of Abraham. Right. Yes. We went through that also. Yep. Back in the papers. History of the Covenants. Yep. Where are we now? 27. And at this point, his disciples came and they marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or what are you talk? Why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Therefore, the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me. That's what keeps me alive. That's what keeps me going. And to finish his work. Do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Well, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. 
Others have labored, and you have entered into their labors. I'll make you fishers of men. Yes, the prophets have laid a foundation of this, prophesied this, had been taught for, for time, you know hundreds of years, and now he's saying you have now entered in to do your part of that labor. It's time. That's time right. is here. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then he said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Son of the world, Savior of the world. Now after the two days he departed from there and went to Galilee, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. That's a big statement. (laughs) Yeah. No. Who is that? (laughs) Yeah. Where did he get any any knowledge? And and others say even in his own home. Yeah, that's true. Even in his own home. That's just our brother. Or that's just my husband. What does he know? Yeah. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Having seen all the things he did in Jer- seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine, and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired to them the hour that he got better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus had said to him, Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judah into Galilee. Yeah, so a lot of a lot of converted people here, believers, but largely due to his works. I, I like the part about the Samaritans how, yeah, they believed it when they heard it from the lady about how he knew everything she had ever done. They sought it out themselves and heard his testimony themselves and said, okay, now we believe. This is what he said to them. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I think we'll leave it off here today. Uh, So we'll pick up next week with uh, John 5. And we want to encourage everyone out there to read the Bible for yourself. Uh, we're, we're here sharing what we've learned, but there is no uh, substitute for drawing close to God than reading the Bible and the Scriptures for yourself. So we encourage you to do so. Until next time, we'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.